When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone and this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Happy New Year, listener. Uh, let's be fair, with us currently sitting very prettily, seven points clear atop the Premier League. It couldn't be a lot happier for Arsenal fans. We'll be discussing the win over Brighton, the tough run of fixtures coming up. And we'll also be talking about the death at E2 last week of the one and only Pelé. Uh, it's an unchanged lineup from the last podcast. Why change a winning formula? James McNicholas and Adrian Clark uh, are here. Uh, Happy New Year, chaps. Hello. Happy New Year, Ian. Let's make it a good one, eh? Well, quite. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll maybe get to what constitutes a good one uh, as we talk through the podcast. It is the 2nd of January as we're recording here at Handbrake Off. We're all about New Year's resolutions. We all say that we don't do it, but secretly, on a personal level, we all think it's time for a bit of self-improvement. For example... After the excesses of the last month, like a lot of us, Calvin Phillips is trying to lose a little weight. So what's your Arsenal-related New Year's resolution? Uh, James, I'm going to come to you first. Well, do you know what? I slightly struggle with this simply because the resolution is, you know, something you want to... Often it's something you want to do differently. And Arsenal are doing so much well at the present point in time that a a lot of things I just want them to continue doing as they are. But um, I was racking my brain thinking, what would I want them to do differently? And what I landed on actually was to be more pragmatic in selection about cup competitions. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that is my New Year's resolution for 2023. Simply because of how well we're doing in the league and because Mikel Arteta, he always goes, he's always tempted by a strong selection in the cups. And I'm looking at this, Cup tie against Oxford in a you know week's time, and even the return of the Europa League to an extent, and looking at the depth of our squad or lack of depth in some areas, and thinking we've got to play this smart because we're in such a fantastic position in the league. So yeah. that is my one-off for 2023 resolution. Do you know what I like your thinking there? And I, and I, I mean, in the League Cup, he played quite a weekend team, and we lost to Brighton, didn't we? And uh, I was in the stadium that night, and as disappointing as it was. Everyone went, oh, well, there you go. And I think they would feel the same way about the FA Cup. And we also said, did we not, Adrian, that if it got to the point where we were challenging for fours, no one thought we were going to be seven. No one said at the start of the season, if we're seven points clear, maybe we should mug off the cup competitions. But essentially, we always said that if we were in that position where top four was a real opportunity, we we have to make a choice. And maybe James is saying we should start now. Yeah, I I get it. I do get it, and that that way of thinking will be shared by so many thousands of Arsenal fans. But not you, it sounds like. Not me. I don't know. No, Oxford. Yes, absolutely. We we can beat Oxford with 
with yeah with very few of our regular first team starters but I don't want to throw away the FA Cup and and I don't want to I don't want to throw away the chance to win the trophy and I don't want to sort of a bad performance in the cup competition to to derail us so I don't know it, it is an awkward one it is an awkward one I just think for now let's just roll with it but I, I'm I'm hearing where James is coming from and and loads of people will agree but the FA Cup is different to the League Cup in my opinion and I just think like to see us have a run in that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, listen. <laughs> I agree completely. I'd like to see peace in the Middle East as well, to be honest with you. But uh, not all things are possible. What about you, uh, Adrian? What you got for us? What, what, one for Edu and, and the team and, Gar- and Richard Garlic. Spend money in January. <laughs> this is the time to um, to get the wallet out, I think, and and strengthen from from a position of real strength as well because we all know that the weakness in this squad is the depth so let's beef it up let's get three or four bodies in you know at least a couple to to really challenge for that first 11 but even if it's a couple of couple of squad players that improve us give us a little bit more experience I'd like that to happen this month because there will be a point where we're short yeah short of options I mean you looked at the bench the other day against Brighton it was all going swimmingly of course but had it not been, where was the option on the bench, especially from an attacking point of view? So that, that would be number one. The other one is for is for the players and for me and for us, maybe as supporters. It's like, let's just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride, where it, however it takes us, wherever it takes us. Let's enjoy it. Let's not get too stressed out by pressure and the worry of teams catching us. Let's just let's just enjoy. Being in the mix, I think that, that's my resolution. I think that's that one particularly enjoyment because we never thought we'd be in this position. I heard some guy on on the radio the other day. Uh, they read out a text. And he said, "Oh, don't stop talking about the title because it's stressing me out." I thought, "Well, don't don't get stressed out. Why get stressed out? We're seven <laughs> points clear. We're having the best start to the season that Arsenal FC have ever had. We're not just talking about the Premier League have ever in their entire history. Eighteen eighty six ladies and gentlemen and yeah let's I think that is a good one actually to enjoy it I like the the sort of the the, the mixture between the two let's enjoy it and mug off every other competition that's, <laughs> that's what we should do um and I think also by the way just to add my voice to that uh to trust the process I'm not sure there's, there's many people who aren't trusting the process but if I had a new year's resolution one would be to trust the process and to believe in the boys uh, and also by the way on a personal level uh to not book in any more gigs uh, when Arsenal might be playing uh cuz um that does mean Thursday nights particularly and any time on Saturday before 7.30 uh, because uh, I had to go on stage uh, in the early part of the Brighton game and then come off and watch the rest of the game afterwards. Although coming off uh, stage uh, and seeing that Arsenal are 2-0 up, it's quite a nice little um, little boost. <laughs> uh, not that I needed one at the end of the gig, it went fine. But uh, anyway. Now Martinelli in the space vacated by Lamptey. The block by Duncan will come through. And barely a minute on the clock when Bukayo Saka is able to give Arsenal the lead. Arsenal won 4-2 at Brighton. Uh, There's a piece on the Athletic website about Arsenal showing bravery and composure during that game and I think they did. One or two things before we get talking about it. We'd won just one of our previous five Premier League trips to the Amex uh, before Saturday. Also, by the way, the place where Argentina's World Cup win 
was sort of sealed, I think. Neil Mopay injured Bert Leno. Uh, and uh, Emiliano Martinez uh, Martinez came in and the rest, of course, is history. Um, I want to ask you, James, about this. Uh, Mikel Arteta said after the game, my excitement comes from going into the dressing room when the players are talking about what they should have done better today. I was on Talk Sport yesterday and I mentioned this and I got ridiculed by the presenters, but Bakayo Saka mentioned it as well. Uh, do you think, James, there's something in that mentality? And do you think it came from the failure of end- the end of last season, that cold, unemotional analysis of what could be done better? Yeah, and I, I, I'm not sure it all would have been unemotional. I mean, uh, dressing rooms at full time can be emotional places too. And I think that certainly on the defensive side, there are things that Arsenal would have looked at for that Brighton game and thought we could have done better. You know, I think the back line looked a little bit disrupted by the changes that were made and there were some individual mistakes as well. Um, and actually, if you look at the West Ham and Brighton games overall, uh, you know, although there have been great results for Arsenal and good wins, there have been issues a little bit here and there in the performances, so just some kinks that can be ironed out. And often people say that's the best thing for a coach, really, when you win a game, but there's lessons that you can learn from it and things that you can talk about in the build-up to the next match. So you've got the safety and the security of the points, but from that platform, you can still impart things to the squad and say, look, this is what we can do better. And the fact that the players are open to that and they're hungry to improve still. I'm with Mikel Arteta. I think that's really encouraging and really exciting. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, Aaron Ramsdale talked about how they felt after the end of last season and they've sort of used that as rocket fuel, haven't they? I mean, you definitely learn more from your failures and your successes. I mean, that's true for stand-up comedy uh, and <laughs> performing generally as well as football. Yeah, it, it fuels you, doesn't it? The pain, the hurt of failure should be used as a fuel for, for future success, shouldn't it? And, and that's what the team are doing. No doubt about that. They want to learn from their mistakes. I think in the case of the game against Brighton, it, it would have been emotional because of the, the chaotic nature of the final half an hour of the game. It was a bit of a mess and Arsenal were rocking. Brighton were very, very lively to their credit. Yeah, if that goal goes in, if that, if that yeah. goal goes in and 4-3, I can well see him pegging us back. At that point. Exactly, and it was a very un- unfortunate offside decision. It's one of those that, if we have video technology, you have to give it. But morally, it was it was no advantage at all to to, to the player. So so we benefited from that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think it would be one of them at the end of the game where players are unhappy with how they finished the match, and I think that's really healthy. There's no point. I've been in lots of dressing rooms where where you've won a game, but everyone's you know annoyed at the way you'd finished it and I think that is a good quite a good place to be and I, I do agree with James on uh, you know overall on on the mentality thing as well so yeah it was a, it was a good night and I think it we did learn plenty from the two victories because they neither were perfect and I do think that that, that is absolutely ideal for the team because it keeps them grounded even that last bit it keeps them grounded ahead of the next game and this, this thing that we're talking about starting strong, coming out the blocks quickly, um, I'm amazed that teams don't always start strong. Adrian, I'll ask you first mm. about this because mm. you've been in dressing rooms. Yeah. I mean, how do you... Is it is it partly 
really a factor of the fact that they're so young and they're so attacking as a team that it's almost they can't they they almost can't fail to start strongly this Arsenal team no no I don't think so I don't think it's to do with age although that helps because they are so hungry so determined I do think it's a collective thing what I would say is the first few things that each individual does in a match often sets the tone for that half so I think there's been a real heavy focus on defenders crunching into the first challenge or making sure 100% they win that header or a forward going into press the same as Thomas Partey. What's the first thing he's going to do? He's going to he's going to get tight to his man. He's going to knock him off the ball and regain possession. And you see that over and over and over again. And it just it sets the tone. And and having that mindset, even though everybody wants that mindset and everyone sets out to achieve it, actually pulling it off is 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 a different matter. And we got into a great groove. I've talked before about our starts to games. I think, yeah, we're 12 or 13, one up in the first half an hour of games. The only goal we conceded is from a penalty inside the first half an hour, and that was against West Ham. But I just want to point you in the direction of the, of the second half stats. So at the start of the second half, okay, in this match we scored after, what, two minutes? I think Eddie Nketiah mm. scored, didn't no, he? No, because um, We are 12-3 up. 12-3 up in that 15-minute segment after half time, No one in the division gets anywhere near it. Um, so it's not just about the start of the first half, it's the start of the second halves as well. And again, it takes discipline and a real dedication to the mindset to keep that up game in, game out, getting the habits right. And um, full credit to Arteta and the coaching staff for drilling that into the players. Quite. Uh, Bukayo Saka uh, scored a great goal. Uh, he doesn't really get enough credit for... He didn't really get enough credit for that goal, I don't think. I mean, James, it came to him quickly, didn't it? And he just killed it. And and it was such a cool finish. Yeah, and actually, I think a lot of parallels with this goal against West Ham in that he wouldn't have necessarily been anticipating the ball coming to him. And when it did, the first touch was just immaculate. And it makes the finish much more straightforward than it otherwise would have been. And, you know, he is someone who just keeps delivering in the final third at the present point in time for Arsenal. And it was a brilliant start. I thought if you if you go and watch the move back as well, you know, Martin Odegaard really sets the tone with a, a driving run towards the penalty box, which, you know, showed you that he was on his game yet again and what a night he had. Martinelli sort of takes a cross shot on and it finds its way to Sacco, who's increasingly just taking up these dangerous positions at the back post. If you do that, you're going to get goals. Yeah, quite. Well, as you mentioned, Martin Odegaard, I mean, we talked about him on the pod the other day. We could probably do... <laughs> uh, tell, tell you what, can we just have a round of applause for that pass before we do anything oh, else? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just think it's fair enough, isn't it? That pass. <laughs> have, have we seen the reverse angle, by the way? Uh, Adrian, have you seen the reverse angle of that pass? Yeah, it's a beaut. It's filth, absolute beaut. It? Absolute oh, it, it is, yeah, I think filth is a, is a good term for it. Uh, it. It's just seeing the picture, isn't it? Because he's got his head up, he can see the run, and I love the way Martinelli made sure he stayed inside his own half he as did, well. Yeah, and the, the yeah, just the weight of the pass. I mean, it was just perfection, uh, and it was a great foot race, wasn't it, between two real speed merchants in Lamptey and, and Martinelli, and for Martinelli to sort of be as composed as he was on the back of such a long ferocious sprint I thought was, should have was really impressive it, let's be fair I mean he no, scored he? he should have passed it though shouldn't he really no 
no. Well, you should never you should never pass it when you end up scoring. That's true. You? I mean, you can't. Yeah. A lot of people say this, and it's not always that easy to 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 find the right pass at those key moments. I I think he did the right thing personally, yeah. but yeah. but it was a great it was a great performance from Martin Erdogan. Just very quickly on Saka because I've got the stat to hand um, on his finishing. So if you go back the last three seasons, um, twenty twenty one. He, his conversion rate was 13%. Last season, it was 19%. This season, Bukayo Saka's conversion rate is 29%. So we're seeing a real upward curve there in terms of his just sort of ice-cool finishing. Um, but yeah, you know, on Odegaard, he's, he's just a guy at the top of his game. He On the match day show, on the breakdown live, I was talking about um, who is actually better than Odegaard in his position. And the only one comparable is Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne, De Bruyne. who's yeah. got obviously a million assists. But but performance-wise, I think Erdegaard over the course of this season is is stride for stride with Kevin De Bruyne, maybe even better. So we've got ourselves a real player. Got a player. Uh, we definitely yeah, have. Yeah. £30 million, very, very well spent. Um, on Bukayo Saka, James, uh, he's got, uh, he got another yellow, uh, four now. He's only one card from a suspension, uh, which is obviously a bit of a worry. Um, only one player has been booked for a foul on Bukayo Saka this season. We have talked about this before. He doesn't get the protection he deserves, but he's toughening up, isn't he? He is. He is. Although, as you say, that yellow card will be a worry for Arsenal fans. I think he joins William Saliba on four yellow cards, and I think they've got to get through the next three league games without yeah. without booking. Yeah. And and actually the way Saka plays and the way he's refereed, I think that is a particular concern because he is a bit more physical and sometimes when he's chasing back he will, you know, leave a foot in or make a challenge. But I still think the most interesting sort of stat around Saka is that as much as he's received four yellow cards himself, only one player has received a yellow card for a foul on Bukayo Saka, which doesn't quite tally up with how no. I've seen uh, him being defended against in games. Yeah, quite. You mentioned the end, Adrian. Um, would you worry about stuff like that? Or do you think it's just stuff that they would go and then sit down and discuss in the dressing room? I mean, when we took off Ben White and Alexander Sinchenko, it seemed to unnerve the team a little bit. I wouldn't be unduly worried because Tierney and Tommy Asu are, are proven players. They, they probably will benefit from... The half an hour game time, particularly Tommy Asu, even though it didn't necessarily go particularly well, I think it was good for them to get to get the opportunity. It definitely destabilised the team defensively, making those changes at once. And Thomas Partey followed not long after, and I think three of your principal defensive players going, uh, leaving the pitch in roughly the same period, yeah, is a risk, and uh, it's a risk that could easily have backfired. I guess uh, to some extent it did, and 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 Brighton did get the, the, their tails up, didn't they? They yeah, really they flew did. us, and I, I think they might have caused us problems if we would have had these starting back four in that last half an hour. They they found themselves, didn't they? I mean, they, Brighton had done very little up until the hour mark. I think they had four shots, um, and in the the final half an hour, they they had more than that. You know, they, I think they took their tally to nine in the end. It was. Yeah, it was it was a strange one, and it's. I think if Mikel Arteta had his time again, he he wouldn't have changed both fullbacks and Thomas Partey um, at that point in the second half. Um, but, but again, we got away with it. We can learn from it. The players have got a bit more time in their legs, 
So no, I don't think we need to be worried. William Saliba's form is a slight concern. He looked a little bit rocky against West Ham, obviously with his decision making for the penalty, and then it was a, it was quite a poor mistake from him for that that second goal with Evan Ferguson. So so yeah, William Saliba just needs to sharpen up a little bit. The only other point of criticism I can find really is that I love Zinchenko on the ball in this game, but. Without the ball, he did leave a little bit of a, an inviting channel down that, down that left-back domain. So a couple of times in the first half, they just clipped balls in behind him uh, very easily for, and, and they managed to create half chances off the back of that. Other teams will look at it and they'll say, right, that's the way. And of course, um, Almiron potentially will be playing on that side against Newcastle. So we've got to be wary of not leaving too much space in behind Zinchenko, where Gabriel gets drawn out. Um, so, um, yeah, that's another area to work on, but we're, we're nitpicking, aren't we? Minor tweaks, minor tweaks, mm. really. Um, and the other thing to say about, you know, taking off three of your, your first-team starters, uh, it's something that maybe Manchester City wouldn't have to do because they've got a much deeper bench uh, than us. But we have what we have for the moment, although we will get to discussing incoming uh, players uh, in a moment. Uh, one more thing before we move on from the game, James. Uh, a word for Eddie. Uh, another solid performance. He looked a bit knackered at the end. In other circumstances, I imagine Mikel Arteta would have taken him off maybe 20 minutes to go if we had a bit more depth on the bench. Uh, but two in two. Yeah, really good return from Eddie. And uh, if you look at his record of Premier League starts and Premier League goals, it is actually very impressive. And shouldn't come as a great surprise to us, really, that he's putting the ball in the back of the net because that's what he's done at every level of the game uh, when he's been challenged to. And I think as much as we've lauded Gabriel Jesus, and rightfully so, we've got to remember he went you know nearly a dozen games or so without scoring a goal. And Eddie's come in and found the net twice in succession. And he's not scoring that goal against Brighton, I don't believe. I don't think he's that sort of goal poacher. I, yeah, I know, James. I, I know. I see your expression. And I understand that. But I'm saying he is not. Gabriel Jesus is not a penalty box predator in the way. He was on the spot when when uh, for the Spurs game, wasn't he? he, he yeah. yeah. Yes. You know what? Okay. Okay. I'm just looking for as many positives <laughs> as I possibly can. Yeah. yeah. He might. He might. He might well do. He might well have been grateful for it. To be honest, in that barren run. Yeah. A, a chance like that but Eddie is doing very very well and it is the other aspects of his game that I think will have pleased me Arteta most I saw it full time him, him seek Eddie out and give him a big hug big clap on the back and I think he's doing that because he knows quite how much work Eddie's putting in and this is a player who's coming from a standing start really who's not played a great deal of football this season and he played 90 minutes against Brighton and that is the worry how much longer can he be asked to do this role without an alternative on the bench to come on and relieve him in that final 20 minutes? You know, we took Partey off, we took the fullbacks off. Really, you kind of wish it was Eddie we were able to take off and, and bring on another centre-forward because, you know, he's covering a lot of ground, going into a lot of duels, and we just don't really have an alternative right now in that position no no I mean I don't know what whether there's a recall on following Balogun Balogun's flying isn't he in, he um, is. in, in France I mean saw a goal he scored the other day on the volley mm. <laughs> really crisp it was it, absolute beauty so we'll, we'll see what happens I think we certainly need to sign somebody to, to at least act as a cover per, personally I'd like us to, to get a really strong centre forward but yeah he, need, he needs help just a quick point on, on the build up to that goal with Martinelli 
driving down the left again. That's t- twice in two games now. He's made a major contribution with his left foot yeah. going on the outside of the fullback. Now, I thought Lamptey handled him quite well during the game because Martelli always wants to chop back on his right. And I think defenders can read that sometimes. What he's added is that now ability and the fear factor of, hang on a minute, if I if I show him down the line, he might score or he might create something. And obviously he scored against West Ham with that near post drive. And in this match, he tried to score. The keeper spills it. Eddie Nketiah taps it in. So kudos to, to Martinelli. And I think the coaching staff who have definitely worked on that aspect of his game. Just, it's repetition. In training, yeah. they will be saying, right, don't come inside. Let's work on, on, on going down the line and spanking it across the face of goal. Keep doing it often enough in training. You know, moments like we've just seen uh, will happen. Yeah, and I, I just want to add a word for the weight of Thomas Partey's pass to him there, by the way, because he ran onto it. He didn't have to break stride at all. I know it's not particularly difficult skill for a professional footballer but he, he just pinged that to him and, and and suddenly Martinelli is off. I mean Adrian I see you smiling because it is something that, that a professional should be able to do but I've noticed this a few times I've noticed it the way that say Alexander-Arnold would ping a pass for Liverpool yeah. uh, or say Virgil van Dijk would ping a pass to Alexander-Arnold mm. and, and it would be ahead of them it would be ahead of them so they can run onto it. And I think Partey's pass there was just enough ahead of Martinelli that he could sprint onto it and he's already on the move. Yeah, pass appreciation is, is a big part of, of football and the very best players always have it and they always give give the receiver of the pass the best possible chance. I've bored people for best part of 30 years to say I played with Dennis Bergkamp you know still dining out on that but he it was so easy playing with Dennis Bergkamp because of this very thing because he would just you know I'd show for, I'd scream for the ball say you know give give it to me the ball goes into him and just the, the weight of the pass to me it's, it's just spot on. It's either in front of me for me to run onto or he pings it hard enough for me to cushion because of where the defender is it, it, the very best players just take care on those minor details. And Partey did that. A quick word, just rewind into that Saka opener. That goal doesn't happen without Thomas Partey winning that 50-50. Great crunching tackle to spring the turnover. So again, he's played a big part in the in the win, for my, in my opinion, Thomas Partey. While we're on the subject, James, he did it against West Ham as well, didn't he? The the, the tackle he made against Declan Rice was uh, was the... Uh, that. That started the move for the equaliser, uh, for the uh, Erdegaard assist. Yeah, it was <laughs> as a, you want to call it. It was actually a similar kind of challenge, recovering the ball. Zinchenko helped him out on this one as well. Kind of just went across the man and used his body to force him towards Partey, uh, and then he won the ball back. Zinchenko, I think, played it out to the flank, and we went from there. And I think you know that will really please Mikel Arteta, winning the ball high up the pitch and that leading to a goal. The principles of play that he has instilled are still producing results for Arsenal. I think the second goal, uh, obviously it came from a corner from Odegaard, but they actually won that corner after a move which started from the goalkeeper and a quite a risky pass that had all the Brighton crowd up on their feet thinking, you know, we're going to intercept here, we're going to you know, win the ball. Actually, we took three players out of the game, went up the end of the pitch, won the corner, and then Odegaard puts it away from the edge of the box. So that will delight Arteta and... It seems crazy now, doesn't it? We, we've we talked about him for a, as a coach for a long time, as someone who instilled 
great tactical discipline in the team, uh, quite a sort of solid, structured defence. And there were people questioning, what about the attack? You know, is he going to be able to put it together in the final third? And wow, he's really answered that question in style this season. <laughs> it's, it's, I've seen it described as organised chaos and, mm. and, and, and deliberate chaos. And, and I think that is a really good description because what we do, we're hurting teams in so many varied ways. Runners in behind, magical passes, quick one-twos. Like the movement of the front four, because the platform behind them is so strong, the front four can kind of just do what they like and opponents are just befuddled by it at the moment. And it, it, mainly it's to do with running. It always is. It's, football is so much more about running than people realise. If you don't make runs, you're not going to hurt a team. But we've got guys, in, especially the front three, that will make runs for fun. And um, and they're making them from different angles. And, and that's what's... That's been one of the secrets to our success for sure. And when you compare it to some of the other clubs, like a Chelsea, uh, Spurs, um, <laughs> even Liverpool to some degree, like they're just not, they're not on the same level in terms no. of their varied movement. No, it is true. I mean, I guess when Gabriel Jesus earlier in the season said he couldn't believe the intensity and the running of Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli. And when it comes from someone like Gabriel Jesus, that tells you what a handful those two must be. Uh, this is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone here with Adrian Clark and James McNicholas on handbrake off. Let's talk about Pele. Died at the weekend, age 82. Rounds of applause in every football ground, probably in the world, to be honest. Um, I, I'm older than you two guys. I actually don't remember if I saw him live. This is it's sad, really, but I was pretty young. My dad may well have dragged me along to, to see him play at Fulham. I do remember seeing Bobby Moore play there, so I, maybe Pelé was playing in the same game, but I honestly don't remember. But really, my first football memories are of him playing in the 1970 World Cup, and I um, I put up a uh, a little clip of him doing the dummy. We all and and by the way, when I say that, we all know what I mean by that. Adrian, when did you first become aware of of him? Yeah, my mum and dad bought me, obviously as a budding young player, mum and dad bought me the, the Pele video, like a VHS, you know, the sort of best bits of, of Pele. And I remember watching it, yeah, pretty religiously as, as a sort of kid trying to learn the game. And yeah, because it, it was before my time. But yeah, just the, some of the goals he scored were amazing. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I th- for me, he was the the greatest of all time up until Messi, and I think Messi might has just eclipsed him in my opinion. But it's a debate that will always rage on. You know, we'll all have different views on that. But yeah, I got to meet Pele on a number of occasions actually. Um, a friend of mine's got a memorabilia company, and he arranged some signings with him, and I'd, I'd go along, and I'd, I got a couple of interviews with him down the years, he, and he was very, very nice. I've got to say, always a, a, a real gentleman. It was like royalty 
whenever he was around in mm. terms of um, hotels. There would always be people around him, you know, sort of almost like security guards. Um, and he, yeah, he lived the life. He really did. He, he always stayed in these sort of unbelievable apartments in posh London hotels. And and I got and I got to as he was signing these shirts and photos, I was just chatting to him about football for hours on end. It was an absolute privilege. Um, but he was not one of those people that had an ego, as in who's this guy? You know, I wish he'd shut up, kind of thing. He was very very courteous and 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 you know happy to talk football. So. Um, yeah, I'll always remember those those conversations, and yeah, yeah, it was, it was very very lucky to be in that position. How brilliant! There was a video going round, James, um, saying whatever whatever trick you see any footballer do, Pele did it first mm. with him doing all these tricks back in the uh, you know in the in the fifties and sixties. Mm. I mean, he had everything, didn't he? He did, and you know it's interesting you talk about the dummy you know a player has left a legacy behind when i think we talk as much about goals he didn't score as goals he did you know there's yeah. the shot from the, the halfway shot. line the yeah. the gordon bank save he's so iconic that even those moments where the ball doesn't end up in the net have kind of etched forever into our memories and you know there were hundreds upon hundreds of brilliant goals and involvement as well right through to 1970 and the Carlos Alberto goal the beautiful tee up there so many um, memorable moments but I, I do think as well that the way he carried himself he did have uh, as Adrian suggests that kind of statesman-like quality he had such a, a dignity to him and I think that that is what I think really uh, as much as his football kind of protected his legacy, that he became this ambassador mm. for the game and was so universally loved. So, yeah, it's a, a, a real loss. Quite. And I, I mean, he did say he does have an Arsenal connection as well. He said in 2015, if he could play for any Premier League club, it'd be the Arsenal. He didn't say that during the uh, George Graham days, uh, interestingly <laughs> enough. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure he would have fitted in quite nicely uh, there as well. Uh, he also, by the way, uh, was a guest at Highbury for the game against Aston Villa in 1981. I was at that game. Uh, I think it was the day that Villa uh, won the title. We beat them uh, at home, but uh, they had to um, they had to match the result of Ipswich. And I think Ipswich lost as well and Villa won the title. But what I remember, there were 57,000 people in the stadium and I was on the North Bank and Pele ran round the pitch. And I don't think I'd ever seen a gathering of that many people where everyone stood up. I mean, stewards, police... Everyone just turned round and clapped him as he ran round the pitch, mm. and it was it was uh, it was awesome to be honest with you. Not I'm a mobile never... phone in sight. Not yeah. a mo- <laughs> not a mobile phone in sight. So maybe it didn't happen. I don't know. There's no <laughs> visual evidence. There probably is uh, somewhere. But I did see a picture of him uh, uh, with his arms in the air and his suit running around, and it was and it was it was just great to be in the same place as him. Uh, to be honest, just and just to thank him for what he'd done, and like you say, those uh, the misses were were uh, the misses were if anything more iconic, weren't they? But we all remember the yellow shirt and and his prodigious uh, talent for for jumping out jumping six foot centre halves as well. Uh, so um, rest in peace, uh, Pele. Um, let's talk briefly about the transfer window. On it goes, uh, Mihailo Mudrik. Uh, <laughs> continues to flutter his eye eyelashes at the Arsenal. Um, is there any updates, James? I mean, they've put in a new offer, have they not? 
Well, talks continue. I don't know whether or not that's been uh, sort of written up as a formal offer, but the dialogue between the clubs is ongoing, uh, which is encouraging, I, I guess, inevitable also, given the fact that Arsenal are trying to add to the squad. It's going to take compromise. It's going to take Shakhtar to you know, drop their demands and Arsenal to increase their offer. I hope they can get there and I hope they can get there sooner rather than later because I honestly think that this month is so important that if we can get an addition in, you know, before the deadline day, while we've still got games to go, I think it'd be really beneficial. Yeah, I mean, that's the point, isn't it, Adrian? It's all very well getting in someone at the end of January, but before the end of January, we have got Newcastle, Tottenham and Manchester United. Oh, no, there's no point waiting. No, if we can get it done, let's get it done now. Um, the, the whole point of taking it to the last minute to, to save a few quid, I think... <laughs> has its merits but in our situation it's almost better to pay uh, slightly over the odds to get them in sooner so that they can help us a little bit earlier on they have agreed personal terms uh, apparently with Mudrick according okay. to Twitter right. but well, yeah I mean it, it does feel as if it's a, a one horse race and, and he's made it that in terms of I only want to go here so I'm, I'm sure we can get it done but yeah I'd just like us to be as aggressive as possible in, in, in that pursuit It'd be interesting to see what happens with Joao Felix. I know that David Ornstein's reported that that we are interested in a loan. One of a few clubs who are, although the the, uh, the Atletico's asking price, they want a a €21 million (laughs) plus the wages. It seems a little bit much for five months. It It does. does. Listen, he's a great player and and he did brilliantly in the World Cup, particularly against Switzerland, but it does Mm -hmm. seem a lot. It does, but if you know, if we can knock him down a bit, but still get the player, that would be very exciting, wouldn't it? Because he is somebody that can play up front, and uh, and I think he would he would fit the style of play with our disruptive, chaotic movement as I've, as I've outlined. I think he'd fit in very very well with that, and potentially be a a difference maker. So I love those two names. <laughs> I want them to come, um, but let's let's see if we can we can make it happen. And there is something, James, is there not in that the players that we're being linked with now do? It's indicative of our improved standing in European football, isn't it? In world football, really, that what Mikel Arteta and the team have done has just moved us up a number of rungs on the ladder. Yeah, the bar's been raised, and I think you know to improve this team, to improve this squad, it's going to take quality additions. I think the Jao Felix one is really interesting because, you know, there are some parallels with Martin Odegaard in some respects, yes. you know, a, a young player who was touted as the, the next big thing in football and it's not quite worked out for him in La Liga. Arsenal can potentially offer him a, an opportunity to rehabilitate his career and sort of, you know, re-announce himself on the European stage. I think he fits... He solves a lot of problems for Arsenal because he can play through the middle. He can play out wide. He can play withdrawn as a kind of number 10 as well. Um, Give us an option in a lot of different areas of the pitch. It is just those very, very steep numbers. And and to be honest with you, you know, Atletico aren't going to get what they're asking for from anybody for a six-month loan. So those numbers are going to come down. It's just a question of how far they come and whether it's enough to make it the right deal for quickly. Arsenal. And how quickly. And how quickly yeah, as, well, as well. Because, like I say, I don't think he's going to be available for Newcastle <laughs> tomorrow. No. And uh, and we'd like him uh, as well. Um, Adrian, as far as Newcastle, we've got, I mean, the next three games, if we don't, well, we are, I know Oxford, we've got Oxford in the Cup 
at the weekend, but we're talking about the league uh, at the moment. We've got Newcastle at home, and then we've got to go to um, Tottenham away, who are in pretty poor form at the moment. But we know what a tough game that is. And then Manchester United at home. I mean, if we win those games... Or if we get say seven points from those games, uh, and we still we stay yeah, I'm taking five. I've bit your hand off. Yeah, seven. for seven That's points fine. from yeah, those yeah. games, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah. At that point, people are people are talking about the title, and I don't really want to go there. But mm. top four would almost certainly be a done deal if we won those three, wouldn't it? I suppose. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I kind of always just want to don't want to even think about top four no. because I think that's that that's almost like a looking over your shoulder mentality like can can we be caught can we be caught I just want to sort of think of I want us to sort of look ahead at a points tally to go for can we get to the 90 point mark this season which would be astonishing given that we've struggled to get 70 in recent times I just want us to keep almost thinking about there. that rather than rather than the positions. And I'm sure that the teams will, will, will think that way as well. Newcastle's going to be hard. I know they slipped up against Leeds. But have you seen their first half record, by the no. way? No. <laughs> they've conceded. We are in January, I remind you. They've conceded two goals in the first half of matches in the entire season. A lot of teams concede more than two in one half. So Newcastle United are a different animal this year and they won't be easy to break down that they are counter-attacking machines on the road as well very well organized and then they spring forward with 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 Almiron and Joel Linton and 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 guys like this Wilson who's been a thorn in our side in the past hasn't he so um it's going to be a really hard game um but and yours and and I guess what Adrian's saying James is that for for the the crowd not to panic I mean not not a half time you know what fine we'll Go again in the second half. I mean, obviously, we'd love we'd love to be four 0 up with four uh, <laughs> one up with about twenty minutes to go. But it's uh, this is going to be a test, isn't it? This one. It is, and they are very disciplined defensively. And I think you're right. Patience may be a virtue. You know, we like to start fast. Newcastle don't really permit you to do that. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, I think set pieces is an area to watch as well they've got terrific delivery from uh, Kieran Trippier and yeah. they've got a, a, some big boys uh, in the team particularly at the back who provide a real threat uh, it was very windy down at Brighton but there are a couple of slight heart in mouth moments for Arsenal and that's something they'll have to really be on their toes uh, against Newcastle about yeah. on that okay. Trippier very quickly uh, Trippier, Trippier v Martinelli that's a good duel isn't it I think that's one that's one to savour I, I, look, I look forward to Martinelli hopefully getting the better of him in that game yeah, I just can't players. wait I just can't wait for the games now to be honest with you I just want to get back down to Fortress Emirates uh, <laughs> which by the way is a fortress who won every game uh, down there this season let's continue that on Tuesday um, let's have a song to end, Adrian, what have you got for us? Another <laughs> happy, happy tune, I'm assuming. A happy, oh, they're all happy tunes, aren't they? At the moment, <laughs> they uh, are. They're all happy tunes. Do you know what I've? The one I've gone for is <laughs> it's the Rocky theme tune. I know it's a bit <laughs> random. It's the Rocky theme tune, <laughs> and uh, why? B- Bill Conti. It's gonna fly now, and it's like because I, this, this is it now. We're into the new year. I almost feel like the. The running starts here, even though it's a long old running. And this is the time for us to, to fly now. And and I, this is a song that's obviously it's designed to sort of get you pumped up and to sort of 
yeah, make you feel good about yourself. And I think, yeah, this is the vibe I'm feeling at the moment. I want that Rocky theme tune on, going into every match. You know, as the fans, if we we all stride towards Fortress Emirates, it's like, yeah, come on, rock for this one. It fits the moment as we as we sort of look ahead to a very very important five months. I remember seeing that film and uh, um, and then running all the way home, uh, doing doing shadow boxing and doing the uh, to eye of the tiger. And then uh, and getting in and saying to my grandmother, I want to be a boxer. And her saying, you can't be a boxer. I said, why not? She said, your nose is too big. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, fair enough. Thanks, Nana. She saved me from a lot of punishment, uh, to be fair. What about you, James? Well, you I, do you know what? I, 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 I was so enamoured with what Martin Odegaard produced against Brighton. I've got to give mention to the... The assist that almost was um, (laughs) extraordinary footwork in the penalty box. So I I, uh, sought out a song by a uh, Norwegian artist (laughs) and I landed upon Aurora, singer, songwriter and producer Aurora. And she's got a great song called Giving Into The Love because I was very much giving into my love for Martin (laughs) Odegaard during this game. Quite. Um, For me, uh, because I am dreaming... Uh, of a Premier League title. I know uh, we don't want to look too far ahead, but why not? I can dream. And because of that, I can't sleep. Uh, so I thought I'd have insomnia uh, by Faithless and the brilliant Maxi Jazz, uh, who died recently. That's it for Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thank you to Adrian Clark. Thanks to James McNicholas and thanks to Jesse, uh, our producer. Yeah, enjoy the game tomorrow. See ya.